You're listening to the Real Estate Runway Podcast, powered by Quattro Capital, where we are all about alternative business and investment strategies to help you amplify life and maximize wealth. Here's your host, the recovering engineer turned multifamily investor, Chad Sutton. All right, Real Estate Runway family. Today, we're going to have a veteran real estate investor here on the phone. He's a massive developer in South Austin, Texas, owns over 2,200 acres. This is Tom Staub, owner of Red Oak Venture Capital or Red Oak Development. Uh, not only do they own a, an engineering firm that services all their projects as well as for hire, but they are one of the largest developers in the Austin, Texas area. So love to have him on the show, hear from his experience and really see how he can help you as an investor. And if you're aspiring to be a developer, he's going to talk through the process of development a little bit for you so you understand what goes into it and what is important. Now, before we get into the episode, if you get any value out of this, please leave us that five-star review and thoughtful comment. That's really the only way we grow the show and get to more people like you. So we appreciate you for that. If you want to be on the show, you can visit us at thequattroway.com slash podcast to apply. And if you want to request a topic or just give us some feedback on the episodes, feel free to email us at podcast at thequattroway.com or leave it right there in the comments. We read every single one of them. And if you want to follow us on social media via our parent company, Quattro Capital, follow us at Team Quattro Capital, one word, no special characters on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, or just visit us at thequattroway.com. And with that, let's get on with your scheduled production. All right, all right, all right, Real Estate Runway family, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Runway podcast. I'm joined with a veteran real estate investor and developer today, Tom Staub with Red Oak Capital. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you today, brother? I'm well, Chad. How's it going? Going really well. And you know what the listeners don't see is we just came off of a whole bunch of technical difficulties to get this show to you. We finally got Tom's AirPods paired to his Dell computer. So maybe if we shame him enough in the comments, he'll go buy a Mac, but we'll work on that later. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm, I'm 38 and every week I get older and older with technology. So there you go. Fair enough. Well, the good good news is you're not in the tech space. You're in the real estate space. That's right. Talk about today. So you know, Tom, before we get started, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and what Red Oak has been up to, you know, around Austin. Well, a quick, you know, anecdotal thing that I've, I've heard. They say 85% of the time you end up doing what your parents did in some capacity, right? I grew up in mortgage, Stanley finance, financed my entire undergrad, grad, postgrad, went into corporate consulting, corporate finance, biotech, tech. Fast forward to today, I own a civil engineering firm called Deepwood Engineering. We are the biggest developer in South Austin. And I say all that because my father is an engineer conducting man himself. So I ended up, you know, following that, that 85% rule of thumb. So in South Austin, we have about two and a half thousand acres, give or take. And if you use the simple, you know, density of four to four and a half units per acre, you know, it's about eight to 10,000 units of homes over the next 10 years. Right. So we're, we're very bullish in the South Austin market. Primarily, you know, if you look at our portfolio, 80% of it in valuation is metro communities, right? And in those communities, it's not your slap and stick sort of three, two ranch. It's a variety of products. You know, I was telling you it's the entry level. It's the move up. It's the luxury. It's multifamily townhomes, mm. BTRs, you know, micro retail, you know, med campuses, all of that. And and then we have a variety of other, what we call now smaller communities, which is 200 to 400 homes uh, or lots. And then we're also a fun project. We're building the biggest RV park in Texas. I got to know, where is that RP, RV park located? 
True story. So anyone in this game of development knows that what I call the, the, the three variables of risk, CEP, construction, engineering, politics, right? So in-house engineering team, construction will be in-house come April, and then politics. I have a guy on our team from ExxonMobil who has spends every day just schmoozing with politicians. So one of the county commissioners, I won't say the name, got defeated in the last run. And, and that person said, you know, Red Oak's been great to work with. I'm going to do you a favor. Talk to my friend who owns 150 acres next to the flagship Bucky's. And for all you out there that don't know what a Bucky's is, wow. I used to make fun of it. It's a science equation. The owners have completely dialed in the perfection and optimization of a, of a C-store. But anyways, you know, you're talking 120 gas pumps. It's a half billion dollar company. They're, they're mad scientists, which I very much appreciate. So we are adjacent or pretty damn close to the flagship Bucky's in Texas. That is incredible. I, I said that we have some properties in Kerrville, which is just like wine country yeah. exploding, you know, out there. So I didn't know if it was that direction. But yeah, for those who don't know Bucky's, he just kind of glossed over this because he's a Texan, but he did say 120 <laughs> pumps. That is true. It is a massive operation. And I've never spent yeah. more money at one gas station in my entire life. So anyway, well, it's amazing. It, not at all um, in real estate, but if you go into Bucky's, again, entrepreneurs really appreciate this stuff. Yeah. Everything is private label. Everything. Right. So, you know, they negotiated every nook and cranny of that store to maximize profits, which is mind blowing. Yeah. It's, and, and this is, by the way, like bigger than a Home Depot. It's incredible how big these, these, <laughs> these gas station convenience stores are. You yeah. Know? So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Getting back into it. So, you know, development in Austin, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic topic. I love talking about building new product here on the show, especially as, you know, as we've seen replacement costs start to be a lot more comparable with, acquisition rehab costs. It's worth looking at putting money on both sides of the fence, guys. And so, you know, t tell us a little bit more about the projects that you're doing and, and maybe how you're, you know, how you're putting these projects together, where you find the land and, and you know, you, you, have, you have a quite a bit of it already, but, you know, why South Austin? Why master communities? I mean, well, you have it, you're really spread out there. So what's going on? Yeah. So when you look, I mean, really across the nation, right? Well, in most pockets of central and South United States, the scarcest commodity is water. Water is now gold, right? Sewer plants, also issues with the extensions of pipes, but you can always build those on site, get a permit all day. So when you look at the Austin MSA and, and, the, and the corridor of the water infrastructure and where all the money is going, all the smart money of BlackRock and the big, you know, big funds, it's all going south. And we sat down with these, with these three firms that are really doing all this, you know, and we're talking billions of dollars here, right? And we asked them, why are they going south? Their prediction is that the growth that happened going north, Round Rock, sort of Flukerville, sort of that A, B class mm. communities, they think it's all going south. So, and there's a number of reasons as to why. So they have pumped about $3 billion into water infrastructures over the next 10 years going south. So we knew this a long time ago. So we just followed the water, right? Mm. And one of the key metrics I'll tell you Today, the, the Austin MSA is about 2.2 million people. It's going to be 4 million people by the year 2040, right? That's a lot of people. That's a and lot so of people. we need homes. We think it's going to be south. The conditions of soil are somewhat prime in the south. The water access is somewhat prime. Sewers here and there. And land is relatively still affordable. When I say affordable, you're looking at 45000 to $60,000 an acre, right? So on a per lot basis, that's ten dollars to $15,000 a lot. So... We go south following the water. How we find the land is we have an in-house land team. 
We do 9,000 calls a quarter. We find 120 leads. Of those 120 leads, we put four in contract and we take one down per quarter. So we have a very dialed in process to find the best of the best deals. One in 9,000, folks. Do that math. That, that's incredible. It takes <laughs> 9,000 leads to find V1 that Red Oak. Let me think a little thicker. So, <laughs> yeah, this is funny. So, back in the day, I got started in that because, you know, we used to do like land wholesaling as a side gig back when it was hot. You know, at first, we had three VAs from like the Philippines doing calls, you know, six bucks an hour because that's what everyone else does in, in, in wholesaling. And then, me being a, a mad scientist, I was crushing all the data and like, wait, these are just terrible conversion rates. So I took a step back and I, and I said, team, who are our answer? Like, who's answering the phone calls on these calls? Well, it's always the male farmer, the guy who is, you know, 50 years old plus man from Texas. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Do you think he wants to talk to a guy from well, the Philippines? Probably not. Let's try something new. Let's hire Susie for, you know, a simple name from Florida or Tennessee or Texas with a twang who has a, you know, soft, you know, charming voice and we'll, and we'll pay her good money. You know? And it's amazing what happened. Our conversion rates skyrocket, right? So, <laughs> so now we, we, we essentially have these Southern bells calling these farmers all day long. Um, they just charming their way through deals. So, well, and you can't underestimate that, especially in, in the South, <laughs> you know, that charm goes a long way, <laughs> long way, man. That's fantastic. Well, so let's, uh, let's kind of take it a step further. You know, you're, you're putting together these development deals, these master communities and, and things of that sort in the South Austin area. So. How are you deciding what to build? You know, what's really driving the decision-making process after you acquire the land? It's a great question. So, you know, I, I call it the entrepreneurial poison. If, if you're a good operator, you're going to get deals to your desk all the time, right? And some are going to stretch you beyond what you know. And it's really, it, the hardest thing is to say no to, to any of these deals. So we, we kind of stick to what we know. We know when we find a good site that's going to be prime for, for a master community, we know what a good cost basis looks like, which is to me is how you, you know, hedge against risk. And we know when there's a market that's unique enough to do something different, right? And so we kind of just played in, in that realm. Now, for example, we have multifamily tracks and BTR filter rent tracks in our communities. We don't play in that space, right? I, I would like to, I would like to do vertical and multifamily. I just don't know enough to do it, right? I would like to build out a 200 unit BTR site, the great assets to hold. I don't know how to do it. So we, we, we kind of stay in our lane. We don't subject ourselves to the too many irons in the fire to see what, what we know. So when we find a site, again, cost basis is important, access to water and sewer and all of that. But then if we think it's in the path of progress and if those things all check out, then we, we proceed in underwriting and go from there. Yeah. So, so what happens to the, the pieces of your tracks that are, let's say, set up for a 200 multifamily de- development, 200 unit? parcel that out and sell it to another developer or hire a, a fee-based developer to, to build that part of the community? Or how does that work? Yeah, it's more of the former. Yeah. So we, like up in Temple, we have 75 acres, great location, like four minutes from yeah. the new Facebook plant. We have a 19-acre a multifamily track. It's really 15 and a half because of an easement, but 15 and a half acres, you're looking at prime 300 to 360 units, right? Again, it's a phenomenal market because you have Fort Hood, the biggest U.S. Army base in the United States, mm-hmm. I think the world, actually. They're extremely short on housing. We know that. Oh, we yeah. know the numbers work, right? And so I would love to have that asset. Again, don't know how to build it. And so in that scenario, yeah, we're, I think we're offering that one. It's about $14,000 a door for the land, right? So that, yeah, that one for sale. 
we have a 10 acre piece of commercial there, which is going to be prime for like medical offices, a C store. Um, it's right next to a four lane highway. So again, that one we're going to sell off that I believe that one is about four and a half up to square foot. So now the rest are all lots, 291 lots. That's what we're going to develop and then sell off the builders. Right. So to your question, yeah, generally when we think of mixed use is the right play, we, you know, we go out to partners and say, Hey, you know, we're not trying to make a home run margin here. We just want to get a capital event pay off the debt, pay off the investors, and we're willing to give you a fair price. Yeah, that's really good. I think there's something to be said about not chasing every iron that you can put in the fire, right? But being really good at roasting yep. this marshmallow, you know what I'm saying? That's right. Rather than yep. uh, than dropping a few in the fire along the way. So a lot of wisdom there. So let you know, you mentioned the word investors, Tom. You know, a lot of our listeners are passive investors. They are looking for ways to multiply wealth through real estate, hence the name Real Estate Runway. We're taking off and growing that wealth. So, you know, how do you and Red Oak work with investors? Are you primarily sourcing capital from, you know, uh, hedge funds and, and larger equity groups, or, or do you also work with the individual investor and how so yeah. in the process? So, crazy origin story. Uh, in my 20s, I like refused to go out and network. I was like, oh, I can do it from home. I don't need a network, which is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so, you know, I, so I didn't until about the age of 28. And I grew up doing my own flips and, you know, actually doing the work and everything else. But then I, I was getting good at what I was doing. And I was back in those days, I was selling turnkey flips. So I would keep some, like some of the best, you know, I was doing my own wholesaling to find the best deals, cherry picking the best for myself, selling the rest of the turnkeys. I had to, I used to have to sell the idea of a turnkey. Like this, I, it, it was a forward concept to investors back in like 2012, 2013. And when, in order to get money to do the flips, I would go out and I'd have to start doing coffees. And then I started doing conferences. And then in my twenties, you know, I, I raised about $8 million of check sizes of like 10 to 20 K, which is a lot of checks, right? And a lot of checks. um, Yep. (laughs) So just, just by nature, you just start the network. And, you know, I think when I look at investments myself, I, I really care about the operator, how they underwrite and kind of their, their, their history. Right. And, um, I think as we begin to get traction, people, you start making a lot of money and we have 45, 50 investors still with us still in that same bucket that we have made money for a decade, right? And so now I will tell you going into these bigger deals, even my first two communities, I, I raised off of my own investors. It's just a lot of work. So in the last like three, four years, I've, um, I have a partner that runs all of our capital raising. I still keep those 45, 50 investors as part of the game because they're the first ones that jump on the, on the bus. But we are now, you know, I'll just be transparent. Generally, we work with investors that can write Ideally, a quarter million dollar tech or above. We have some projects that are smaller where we'll take a hundred grand or above, but general, generally we're at that quarter million or above tech, tech size right now. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, do you typically bring investors in? Uh, it sounds like you're primarily in the land business, right? And then, you know, some of that land gets converted after it's land developed, you know, horizontally developed, gets converted into something that may get sold off and, and gives you a capital event there. But you're also probably for the majority of your land going vertical with you know, these master master plan communities and things of that sort. So, you know, what what is, I'll say, the opportunity for investment partnership there with your group? And is it, yeah. is it both and or one or the other? Yeah. And again, I'm, oh, you know, transparency, uh, right? There's enough money in these deals. And I think if you give it the right partnership, open book, everyone can make some money and just, you can operate as a true marriage, if you will. Yeah. So transparently, our blended cost of capital is 18%. Debt and equity, not cheap. Mm-hmm. Right. So a debt, depending on what vehicle it is, can be as low as seven, but as high as 12, obviously one to three points in origination. 
On the equity yeah. side, you know, back in the day when I had no experience in land development, I had off, you know, offered 27, 30% prep returns annually. You know, we're now in the low twenties, but our track record's phenomenal. We have, you know, that CEP risk equation where we're primarily all in house. So I am a madman when it comes to KPIs and controlling the risk. And so, yeah, generally we're at 20 to 23% prep returns, or I guess you could call it IRRs for our investors. Investors have a variety of ways to invest. Master communities are more, if you don't need cash flow, you know, it's going to be big payoffs, you know, two, three, four years down the road. If you need cash flow, which we all, I, I think we all do in some capacity, we have RV parks. We are opening a fractional ownership model up in uh, Flagstaff, which is going to be a pretty lucrative project. We do, we're raising a fund for seller financing deals. And what that is essentially is we take a chunk of land, call it 30 acres, subdivide it into 20 to 30 lots, as minimal construction as possible, and then slice and dice it into one to two acres, sell them off, carry a note at all percent, and you know share back about half the profits with, with investors. So it depends on your risk appetite. If you want something simple and boring and not sexy, but you still make 10% returns, lot financing. If you want cash flow with a little bit of upside, a little bit riskier, or, you know, RV parks. And if you want something that's probably in the mid-20s, then you're looking at big communities with the most amount of risk, but within reason. This episode is brought to you by Agora's Investment Management Solution. Are you a GP or syndicator still using spreadsheets or an outdated investment management platform? Advance to Agora, the next step in investment management evolution. Agora's customers raise capital 40% faster and reduce operational expenses by 25%. With Agora, you can collect commitments faster, raise more capital by creating beautifully designed data rooms, public brochures, and automated subscription flows. Manage all your investor relationships efficiently with the most advanced investor CRM on the market. Delight your investors with a beautifully designed investor portal, which is fully customized to fit your brand and integrate seamlessly into your website. Distribute payments in a click directly from the platform and automatically generate and send all the reports and statements your investors need. Agora is suited for all types and all sizes of GPs or syndicators, starting with an affordable $5.99 a month subscription plan. Click the link in the description to book a live demo and learn what Agora can do for your business. Agora, better investment management. That's fantastic. And folks, I wanted to make sure to give that opportunity here that this is an operator, you know, or a developer rather that is worth taking a look at from a, you know, from an investment perspective, if you're looking to get into development. Remember, you know, you have to go vertical, so it's not always going to be a cash flowing thing on the development side, uh, not necessarily really ever, <laughs> but it is, yeah. uh, it's definitely a lucrative way to, to grow your wealth. Yeah. So, you know, that being said, Tom, I'd love to kind of, to, to turn over a little bit more and, and kind of benefit our active real estate operators a little bit who might be considering yeah. What goes into the development process? So, you know, maybe if you can take a couple of minutes and maybe specifically five minutes, right? And let's just yep. kind of talk through, you know, what does it take to develop a project from acquiring the raw land to selling the project to a prospective buyer or, you know, just keeping it outright? Let's talk a little bit about the development process and then maybe also the the capital stack that goes along with it and kind of what has to change along the way. Just love to hear your perspective, how you, yeah, so, that, you know. Depending how you see it, at least three, if not four key milestones in a project. And by the way, I, I will tell anyone here, if you're really looking into getting in land development, I don't want to scare you off. It's not like flipping. It isn't like getting a four unit building, doing some rehab and selling. It is a completely different beast. It is far more emotional. It is way more of a roller coaster. 
But with that, it weeds out a lot of the, you know, a lot of the week. And so the spoils are there if you, if you get the right deal. So first thing is make sure you're working with a good engineering company. Like I started with a shoddy one. So, you know, my dad always told me the lowest bid is not the cheapest cost. I'm like, ah, what does he know? Right. Well, fast forward to today. And, um, you know, I poached some of the best engineers from Kimley Ward, right? Because I was, yeah, I was getting great deals on my last engineering firm, um, but like, had to restart anyways. So it's, it's kind of like when you go to Home Depot, you're like, well, do I need the $30 hammer or the one for eight bucks? Well, what do you do? You buy the $8 one, it breaks, come back and buy the nice one anyways. So it's, it's, you know, <laughs> kind of the same process. So definitely find a season. If you can find it, not a backlogged engineering firm. That's going to be hard to find. So. Step one, uh, when you do, or when you decide you want to be a land developer, there, there are sweet spots in terms of size, right? They're the mass communities gen, generally start above 120 acres at the very least. And there are some economies of scale that are phenomenal with the mass community, but you need patient capital. You need very dialed in planning. Um, and that's where the biggest spoils are. If it were me, I, I'd look, I, I would look pretty, a little bit smaller, maybe 20 to 50 acres and trying to slice and dice it there. And then make sure you have a thorough underwriting process. Um, again, just some of the things I've learned. I would never close on a deal unless I have runway to ensure that I'm going to get entitlements. I can't tell you how many people we get every month calling our engineering firm saying, Tom, I bought a bad deal. And um, I, yeah, you know, I didn't do any water studies. I didn't do any sewer studies. I didn't do a geotag and environmental. I mean, just the basics. So you should be spending probably 30 to 40K up front on just making sure it can, you can develop right? Have a conversation with the city. It's free. You know, say, hey, this is what we're thinking. You know, we're look, we want to build a hundred homes. Here's the lot sizes, just basic stuff. And what we do in our, you know, our negotiation on the land, we put up usually about 5K in earnest money, a thousand bucks up front just to get the water study done. If, if there's no water, drop the deal. Once we get that, then we throw more money to say, hey, now we're calling today and we'll throw up 40, 50K and, you know, in earnest money, additional 10K, give us six months to take a look. In those six months, so, so that's step one, right? You did your basic due diligence. Step, step two is that your engineering team is going to take a deeper dive into the risk to really understand what the chances are of you closing are. Now, if you're a good negotiator, you're not going to close until you get step three, which is preliminary plat. Okay. So that's the idea that you have this concept. You've had negotiations with the city about zoning and annexation, which means you're now part of the city limits. You've done your water and sewer capacity studies, all the basics, environmental phase one, geotech, yada, yada. Once you get that all approved, they say, great, we love your concept. Yes, we'll approve the idea of it. The big one, though, is where, you know, that's a big one. Where all the work comes in is the next set, which is about six to eight months. With the city, you're talking about how you're going to build out the pipes, how you're going to build out the roads, what about right-of-ways of roads, what about traffic signals, all those kind of nuances. And then once you get that approved, final plat, then you can go get financing, shovel on the dirt, develop. And, and before all that, you're negotiating with builders or developers and everything else. And so you can see why a lot of this takes between 12 to 18 months before you're even putting a shovel in the dirt, right? Yeah. And then you got about two to three years of phasing of a lot, something else. So it's a long process, you know, and what I will say is across this entire process, it really is about cash flow management. The best operators are going to have an absolute dial on their cash, uh, what they're burning with the month. And when they're burning too fast, they'll negotiate ways to, to, to smooth out that cash burn. So in fact, on page had, I think 
this year is going to be a year where, you know, disorganized operators will go belly up because they did not play correctly on their cap burn. Want to generate higher return and drive alpha for your commercial real estate firm? Now you can with Lobby CRE by 30 Capital. Lobby CRE is an asset management platform designed to manage and optimize cash flow for faster returns and more visibility into performance. Shift your strategy with the market, not because of it. Identify opportunities and mitigate risk now rather than later. And save more than eight hours per week through automation. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and book a demo. You know, and, and I love that you just dropped that nugget right there because, you know, regardless of what real estate environment you're in, the only way you get in trouble in this space, and folks, you've heard me say this time and time again on the show, is you run out of time or you run out of money, right? Profits are one thing, especially if you're operating a deal. You can be profiting all day long, but if you're burning more cash than you have in the account, you know, cash and, and profit are not the same thing. You can't spend your profits. If you don't believe me, go to the grocery store and try to buy your groceries with a percentage of the profits from your company and see what they tell you. Okay. So anyway, so thank you for going there for a second, Tom. I really appreciate it. Such yeah, wisdom. And it, 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 it is not for the faint of heart, you know, developing raw land, then it, it, it is a process. And, you know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this before we get into the questions. Yeah. 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 In my space, right, which is the, the operation of multifamily properties, and you may see some synergies here in your space, you know, what happened in 2020? You know, a lot of people were freaked out by the prospect of, oh my gosh, are people going to pay rent? Maybe I don't want to plow money into operating properties. A lot of money got plowed into development, right? And it takes, as you mentioned, 12 to 18 months to get the land developed, maybe another two years on a multifamily community, about another two years to build it, you know? And so all of a sudden, you know, we're seeing a lot of these construction loans and, and construction opportunities either come into market or, you know, being forced to kind of refinance when they're not even fully a CO for the exact reason you just mentioned. They're in trouble with cash, interest rate spiked on them, you know, burn rate got too high, construction delays out the wazoo with, we know the supply chain problems we've all been exposed to the last couple of years. Just curious to hear, is your firm expecting any sort of, we'll just say opportunities, special opportunities coming your way as a result of anything I just said? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I have a call this week with a, a team that bought three bad deals. I mean, now we're predicting them out of it. You know, one of our operators came to us from a foreclosure and said, Hey, Tom, help us get this across the finish line loss mitigation. I'll tell you, we have, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 projects now. You know, I have one that has had a year delay and we're, we're low in capital. So I'm at a point now where I, I'm doing a refi with the lenders say, Hey, look, can we negotiate to put all this interest in the back half of the profits, which is risky? And if not, and you run out of capital, I'm going to self-fund it. Because as you may know, one bad deal in this business, and if you burn your investors, brand, your brand is pretty much tainted for you know some time. So I would rather sink with this one is about 30K a month of interest over in the next six to eight months than risk losing my investor brand. So is it happening? Absolutely. I think everyone's at least having to re- evaluate their project, think about, okay, well, even if I can exit as time or at the, the previous timeline, are my exit valuations the same, right? And so I think everyone is recalibrating the, their uh, cap stack in some fashion. And if they're not, well, then they're, I mean, they must have endless amount of money or just, you know, they're in a poor situation. So yeah, we are seeing, I think, opportunities in the market. I think you're going to see some come to roost here in Q3, Q4 this year. 
I do think commercial office space in the metro cities like San Francisco, New York, uh, Miami, th- those places, that's where I think the biggest toxic asset target looks like. I mean, let me just say a little, little fact. There's 75 million square feet of commercial space in San Francisco. I, I believe as of March of this year, there's about 30 to 40 million square feet either in renewal or in vacancy, right? Now, from what I have read, and I called this a year ago, early on this, but if vacancy creeps up above 8% in commercial real estate, just broadly, it, it's upside down in the portfolio. So, mm-hmm. so you're talking 30 to 40% vacancy. Now, even if they renegotiate the terms and try to keep people in their buildings, man, I don't know. I, I think that city is in a deep, deep situation. Um, and it, it reminds me a lot of, there's a lot of videos out there of like parts of the outskirts of Kansas City, parts of Detroit, parts of Cleveland that had a similar situation where people left for crime and, you know, regulation and taxes and the city went to rot. And, you know, it's a beautiful city. It probably balanced that. My point is, I think commercial real estate is going to have a massive opportunity. I don't know what it will look like or how. But that's going to be, I think, the toxic asset class of 2023, 2024. You know, I love when we all put our necks out there and say what we think is going to happen. We may be wrong, but uh, the, the, I can the be writing off. is certainly yeah, off. The writing is certainly on the wall, right? <laughs> you know, I was off. I was off a year ago. I, you know, on YouTube, people lambasted me for like, you know, what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, I, I might not, but hopefully not. Yeah, yeah. Well, fair enough. I mean, I've uh, I was on record saying that we knew interest rates were rising. We really felt like uh, you know a, a, a at an all in rate, you know, a, a four and a half to five percent, which is kind of where we're landing now. We, we thought that was the peak back then, and so we're you know it's okay. We oh, all yeah. say the wrong thing, but anyway, well, let's hop right into these quattro questions, Tom, and then we'll get you back to your busy schedule running Red Oak. So thanks for being with us today. First question: <laughs> What is your superpower? in this business or, or in your life and how does it serve you? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I just a phenomenal staff, a phenomenal team. It's not just me. I'm obviously the face and I, I build the vision, but my team is just, I mean, they're, they're really badass. And I think so one of the things that we do every quarter for all you other developers out there, op- operators or entrepreneurs book called traction. I got it right there. Um, in the book, there's a free survey called the EOS survey. Right. It's pretty simple. It's, I think it's five or six categories that helps you understand in your business where you're lacking, what you need to improve and how you might want to improve it. Right. And so we do all that among a variety of surveys. And, you know, what makes us great is that we really dig in on data, whether it be the land team on data, KPIs, individual KPIs and data, uh, overall company KPIs and data. So this, I, I think as a team, our super, our super power is we're just super dialed, dialed into the data and science, right? And so I think more than any other operator that I've talked to, we, we are just obsessed with measurements of whatever we're doing. And I think in this business, that is one way to be able to sleep at night is to know where all the numbers lie across the entire operation. So, Yeah, I think it's incredible. That, that is absolutely a superpower. I've talked to operators who have no idea, you know, wait, even what their, what their burn rate is on a project, you know, for example. So. Hell- Yep. That's pretty incredible. Well, well, let's let's take it the other side of the coin, Tom. What is your biggest failure in life or business, and what'd you learn from it? Yeah, I mean, I, it's too easy. You know, um, I got a pond. This is all it is, right? If you're going to take the swings, you're going to miss some. You know, I mean, it goes as simple as one of my first flips. I bought a, I didn't do any inspections, and the entire floor was rotting. And uh, we had, you know, so there's that one. You know, 
just even recently, I, I, I bought a fourplex kind of from the family, long story, but one thing I always tell investors is when you buy an auto property, you always do a cut through the main sewer line to get the, the branches out because they, they break those pipes and those pipes are all usually iron or some sort of PVC, whatever. I forgot. I just forgot to do it. I got busy. And just last week, I got a call from my, my tenant. Hey, the sewer just backing up. I'm like, ah, shit. And I knew what it was right away. Literally. I, like, I forgot. <laughs> I for, yeah, I forgot to put a salt on the main sewer line. That's 18 grand out the door. You know, so there's that, you know, structuring bad deals. Now, what I say bad is what is normal today. So for, for example, every land purchase we do, we no longer rely on hard money at 12 or 13%, right? 65% LTC. No, 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 no. We, we do seller financing on all of our deals, five, 6%, 36, 48 month terms, interest only, and they're carrying 85% of the debt, right? Mm-hmm. That was a, probably the biggest not mistake, but opportunity to change the cap stack is that when you buy lands or anything, any asset, frankly, try to have the owner carry the note uh, and, and maybe even offer them a higher premium on the price to get that note because your cap stack is going to be a lot leaner if you do that. So. Yeah, it really does. And, and, you know, I think the biggest thing there is most people are afraid to ask. And, and so you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> Look, there's always a deal somewhere. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, so question number three, you know, here at Quattro Capital, sponsor of the Real Estate Runway podcast, one of our four pillars is philanthropy. We love putting money back out into the world, services, times, talents. And you'd be surprised every time we mention a philanthropic venture on here, a lot of times we get reports in in our comments or emails of, you know, people giving on behalf of the guests. So, you know, where's your heart at? What does your co- you and your company do to kind of put money back out in that in that way? Yeah, so um, I have a few actually. You know, I get it. If you come to our office, you know, on our wall, we have four main core values. No, not one of them is monetary whatsoever. It's all about character, community, and the Japanese and cold kaizen and everything else. So three. So the first one is we engineering firm, civil engineering. So we are currently well, we're building a foundation for the recent flooding over in Pakistan, which if you look at the impact, it's 25 times more impactful than that of Katrina. I mean, it's it's a massive mm. devastation over there. So we're going to pro bono go over there and try to help them with, with their water because they have heavy droughts or uh, heavy floods and then they have these massive droughts. And a lot of parts of the world have that where you can just essentially reallocate the water resource. So that's one of them. Yeah. We're, you know, I, I'm always blown away at how... Um, just like neglected our teachers are. I mean, it's unreal. I, I have to tell you, I've, I've been in, in line for two years trying to, try to get my boy into a Montessori. So what in the world? So anyways, so what we're trying to do, I mean, I didn't even thought about opening my own Montessori and like bringing parents to the table and just, it's like, what? you know, so one thing that we're doing in our master communities every year and each one. So, well, first off, we're donating land in schools. So 20 acres to the school district of one, 40 acres of another. Um, and then... Part of the contacts with builders, if they want to set up play, they have to donate selling at cost 10 homes per year, right? So this is across all builders. So if we get five builders, two homes per year, we enable that by giving our lots at cost as well, right? So a teacher can live in an actual community. They can buy a five or, you know, a half million dollar home for 350, right? If, if they felt somewhere in that range. So we're going to start with a company called Homemade. It's a nonprofit where we're going to really get this out there. And, I, and hopefully push a PR event to make this nationally known that, hey, we can, we can begin to help teachers with their actual life in other ways than just, you know, putting the bills for some tax credit. So 
teacher housing, that's a big one of ours, uh, you know, here as well. So, yeah, that's, that's just incredible. Thanks for sharing your heart there, Tom. So, you know, before we get out of here, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you, whether it be for what you just talked about or to be, to invest or, you know, something of that sort? We're, you know, I saw you, Chad, we're always happy to help people out. Our engineering firm, any developers out there that are cut up with the engineer, give us uh, an email, tom at redoakbc, like pickercarly.com. I can forward you over to them. They can handle you. You know, and if you want to invest, I, I think the first thing is a call. Again, email me and we'll, we'll show you what we're working on. And if you really want to get involved, there's a lot of ways to do so. So, Fantastic, folks. And as always, scroll right down to the show notes and whatever you're listening to this on and his information will be right there for your clicking pleasure. Okay. So with that being said, Tom, thank you for coming on the show, sharing some of your expertise, giving us some of your valuable time. And we hope you enjoyed your time here at the Real Estate Runway Podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, everyone. This has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast. Until next time, over and out. All right, Real Estate Runway family. I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Tom Staub of Red Oak Capital. Just fantastic experience as a developer in the Austin area. So if you want to reach out to him and see about investing in his projects or hear more about what they're doing from a, a philanthropic venture space, scroll right on down. His contact information is in the show notes. And folks, if you got any value out of that episode, please leave us a five-star review and thoughtful comments so we can reach more listeners just like you with information like this. If you want to follow us on social media, Team Quattro Capital, one word, no special characters, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, or just visit us at thequattroway.com for some little buttons you can click to get right there. We really enjoyed the episode with you today. Until next time, this has been another episode of the Real Estate Runway Podcast, over and out. We hope this episode was insightful and brought value to your day. If so, please be awesome and leave us a five-star review. Find out how Team Quattro can help you at thequattroway.com. Until next time, this is the Real Estate Runway Podcast.